सहना सहनौ भुनक्त सह वीर करवाहे तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमाषावे ओ शाते शाति शाति ओम मे द लॉर्ड प्रोटेक्ट अस बोथ टीचर एंड द टॉट टुगेदर बाय रिवीलिंग नॉलेज मे ही प्रोटेक्ट अस बोथ बाय गिविंग अस द रिजल्ट्स ऑफ नॉलेज मे वी अटेन विगर टुगेदर लेट व्हाट वी स्टडी बी इल्यूमिनेटिंग मे वी नॉट कैवेल एट ईच अदर ओम पीस 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 in the katopanishad we are studying these mantras which all speak of oneness swami vivekananda said oneness is the only true religion and here we see that theme uh, just pointed out again and again and you know that so what swami vivekananda meant was that which brings us together um, um that that oneness so that's true religion he in fact would give some interesting tests of truth of true religion one was um, that which makes for oneness that is true religion the other was uh, that which makes us selfless that is truth so he's talking about truth so that which makes for oneness that is true that which divides is not true in the last few mantras which we have seen from mantra number 5 onwards in the kathopanishad this oneness of the atman has been stressed what appears to be a diverse world at three levels what are the three levels physical subtle and causal at the physical level uh, it is this gross uh, physical universe and full of diversity you see uh, human beings and animals and plants and and earth and sky and and the, and the big and the small so many millions and billions of entities tremendously diverse and at the subtle level subtle level is internal thoughts feelings emotions ideas all kinds of our, our internal world of experience again enormously diverse and changing all the time and at the causal level which we normally do not think of think of it as a seed from which all of this has come and that is also diverse because it seems blank when does it seem blank for example in deep sleep blank but that blankness contains like like a seed or everything that we have uh, we are experiencing now so there is the potential for diversity in the causal level we have the causal level subtle level and gross level and that's how we experience life not only that um at each level there is the microcosm and the macrocosm in each level we experience ourselves as an individual experiencing this vast world so i am there and this vastness is there at a subtle level my own mind and there is a cosmic mind at least that's how it's and besides i know there are other minds but vedanta says that not only are there many many minds those minds are also connected there is a cosmic mind underlying this and there is a cosmic cause just as there is a causal level for each of us there is a causal level for the entire universe in any case everywhere there seems to be diversity there seems to be difference and the upanishad says radically that there is oneness all throughout it is one reality appearing as many not only that you are that oneness the atman is that oneness it is you appearing uh, at the uh, causal level as the god and as the jivatma the individual being it is you appearing at the subtle level as cosmic mind and the individual uh, sentient being the 
uh, thinking person, um, the, the person. And then finally, uh, at the physical level, it is you appearing as this vast universe. And you means pure consciousness, the real, the real you. And appearing as this limited individual body, which is born, ages, and dies. So this underlying unity appearing as diversity, much like one mass of water appears as thousands of waves and um, you know, foam and surf and uh, droplets of water. So um, like that, there is unity at the physical level, not, not just unity, oneness at the physical level, oneness at the subtle level, oneness at the causal level. That's what we, uh, we were seeing in all these verses. Now the 11th mantra says, I'll chant it again. We were, we stopped there last time. Manasai Vedam Aptabhyam Nehanana Stikinjana Mrityusamrityum Gachati Yaihanane Vapashyati That is to be attained through the mind indeed. There is no diversity here whatsoever. He who sees as though there is difference here goes from death to death. Each of this is very important in Vedanta. And uh, Adi Shankaracharya in his commentaries on the Upanishads and the Gita never tires of quoting this, this particular uh, mantra. Neha nana kinchana. There is no difference here, no diversity here whatsoever. In reality, it is one existence consciousness place through a variety of names and forms and actions appearing as this diverse dynamic universe. Yes, at a certain level, at the level of the movie, there is diversity. At the level of the screen, it is the same screen all throughout. At the level of existence consciousness bliss, it is one reality. At the level of this universe, variety. The variety here is made possible by the underlying oneness. So neha nana kinchana. There is no, nana means diversity. Iha, here. This is important. Here means right now, when you are seeing this diversity, when you're in the midst of this diversity. See, diversity is necessary for life. What we experience is life, difference and diversity are necessary. Uh, if the eyes and the uh, screen were not different, eyes could not, so there would be no seeing anything. If the ears and sound were not different, there would be no hearing anything. Uh, if the, um, you know, this, the eater and the food were not different, you wouldn't eat. Uh, if the subject and object were not different, then you, there would be no experience whatsoever. It would be a blankness. In fact, notice when the subject and object become one. In our daily experience, deep sleep. There is no experience. It's just a blankness. If you call that experience, fine. But there's no normal experience like that we see. There would be no change if there was no diversity. The dynamic, being dynamic, changing, variety, action, um, emotion, thought, all of these are possible because of diversity. Advaita Vedanta does not deny the utility of diversity. Does not, that's Vevahara. Does not deny the experience of diversity. It just says, Vedanta, you have to look for the truth. The truth is there is underlying oneness. Just as a moviegoer does not deny that there is a uniform screen underneath all the movies. It's a tragedy, it's a comedy, a science fiction movie, a horror movie and with lots of characters and storylines and everything, lots of changes, tremendous action going on, and yet everybody knows. It's just at another level of truth, at a higher level of truth, fundamental level of truth, it's just one reality. 
and that mo- that one screen makes possible the movies this one existence consciousness bliss makes possible this world so neha nanastik inchana there is no problem at all having the experience of diversity there is no problem at all being engaged in the world experience as much diversity as you want do as much action in the world as you want but what happens to the ignorant is we lose sight of the underlying oneness and that i am that oneness and having lost sight of that what happens is we get caught in samsara we get caught in the movie we want it to be a comedy always alas sometimes it's a tragedy so and we we are not serene we want it to be rather this way and not that way raga dvesha what's wrong with likes and dislikes likes and dislikes are inevitable yes but we should not you know invest in likes and dislikes because likes and dislikes ultimately are based on a false proposition that there is some diversity here there is something ultimately more preferable than and there is something ultimately much worse not really if it is one brahman appearing in all these ways as uh, the um, as the bitter and as the sweet that ultimately it's bitter and sweet and not ultimate truths uh, it is one reality appearing as both and we know all experience of diversity all contact between subject and object is subject to uh, is is determined by causes and conditions and things arise because a lot of things underneath are making them so and the, what we experience as life would not be so unless the underlying causes were like that the buddhists have a very good analysis of this what we see as an experience as an universe and what's so important to us is very flimsy it's like a tissue like an, an illusion setup and it can change at any moment i mean i remember once a long time ago i was very sick uh, for about a month or two and i completely lost appetite at one time i couldn't eat and i was on you know drip uh, this iv for some time then when i recovered i had no appetite at all for a long time and for a long time my body chemistry had changed so i had no taste for almost all the kinds of food that i used to eat and i realized how much of that is just body chemistry the body needs something plus there is an overlay of vasanas of likes and dislikes in the mind it's not pure body chemistry that would be machine like then the body would eat what it needs but unfortunately on top of what the body needs we have a whole set set of likes and dislikes which is mental which is almost i would say illusory because it really doesn't have much to do with what the body needs it's more what we have accumulated in this lifetime and conditionings of past lifetimes what i mean was one interesting experience i had when i was sick is that uh, i couldn't eat anything i had no taste for anything and the body didn't need anything also because it was sick and it was getting what it needed through the nutrients through the iv but the mind needed taste and so i would dream of delicious dishes which i had eaten as a kid if you actually had given me those dishes okay eat i would have thrown up so the body didn't want it at all see the mind has a hunger that is vasana and we are driven by that all of this is an appearance not to be taken seriously not to be taken seriously don't build your life around likes and dislikes it's very flimsy so uh, because neha nanastik inchana there is no diversity here whatsoever even while you are eating while you are yeah literally eating the world we are consuming the world 
even while we are experiencing the world of diversity there's no diversity here whatsoever therefore whatever we you know based on diversity remember it's a fiction ultimately don't take it seriously one sadhu in uttarakhand in the himalayas told me you know with a sweep of his hand showing me all around in hindi he said ye sab dikhta hai mahatma ji hai nahi all this appears oh monk doesn't exist what exists is this underlying existence consciousness place what's that that's you that's what we have been learning now um he goes on to give a dire warning what's the point of it all mrityu samrityum gachati yaiha naneva pashyati so who is saying this the lord of death yama he is warning us that heed my words carefully in one english poem it's called the hound of heaven so here is the hound of death <laughs> so we will be chasing us from lifetime to lifetime he says as you lifetime you as you run through lifetimes i am chasing you and i will catch you in each lifetime and i will kill you and you will die not once you know we talk about the cycle of birth and death and the lord of death is not so kind he doesn't say you'll be born and you will die he says you will go from death to death you'll be born and imagine all the problems of growing up all over again and uh, being a kid and playing with uh, dolls or what not and uh, and balls and uh, and then making friends and fighting and all of that being sick then becoming teenagers going to school and college getting job getting married all the attachments the heartbreaks of life and when you are well settled things are going well you begin begin to get old bill <laughs> our bill conrad he he had to go to the hospital again today it's a minor problem hopefully he'll be back again so when i saw him off the 911 people had come he is 97 years old you know i said bill you always say to us old age is not for sissies he chuckled and he said that's for sure swami <laughs> so become old again and all the problems come to us and unfortunately by this time we have set up a samsara there are husbands and wives maybe at that age uh, fathers and mothers and grandparents are gone but then there are husbands and wives and children and grandchildren and money and house and property likes and dislikes all of that what will happen yeah the lord of death says i'll come and snatch you away from that mercilessly not once many times it is actually awful how many times will you pass through this you know the veil of tears so he says in that case take vedanta seriously what i am telling you there is no diversity here the one who sees this diversity name form and takes that to be real everybody sees diversity if you take that to be the only reality you don't see the underlying reality and don't know that you are this underlying reality this you have to pass through my school and it's a hard school you have to pass through my school again and again and again mrityu samrityum gachati now how do you realize this and he makes a remarkable comment manasai vedam aptavyam this has to be realized by the mind alone this is where we were last time this is to be realized by the mind alone immediately we have been in vedanta for a long time and we raise our hands in objection 
How is that possible? We keep saying in Vedanta, it is beyond the mind. The mind cannot reach it. The speech cannot express it. Avang manasa gocharam. Again and again, it's a, like a slogan in Vedanta. Uh, vak means speech. Mana means mind. Gocharam means reach. Avang manasa gocharam means beyond the reach of mind and speech. Kena Upanishad declares, another Upanishad, the sister Upanishad to the Katha Upanishad, Kena Upanishad declares, yan manasana manute, that which is not, cannot be thought of by the mind. So the mind cannot realize it. And here you are saying, not only it can be realized by the mind, it can be realized only by the mind. Eva, only by the mind it can be realized. How do you understand this? This is very, very important because this tells us of the nature of, rea- of enlightenment and what we have to do to get enlightenment. Three levels of explanation. Last time I gave one level, but we'll go through those three quickly. That's why I stopped last time. Three levels of explanation. First of all, what's the question? What does it mean when you say only by the mind this can be realized? We have sort of got the idea this is beyond the mind, you know? Uh, no, only by the mind. First explanation, which is given by Shankara here, Adi Shankara, and Sri Ramakrishna also gives that explanation. Um, Shankaracharya says, and Sri Ramakrishna says exactly the same thing. It is reachable by the purified mind, not reachable by the impure mind. So the mind which is purified, Karma yoga purifies the mind. Um, Dhyana yoga, meditation, concentrates the mind. And then further, the mind is purified finally by the guru and the shastra. The Upanishad itself, taught by a skillful teacher, gives the final uh, purification, the final uh, um, uh, sharpening of the mind. It tells you what, what your reality is. So this is the purified mind. This mind can realize. What cannot realize? The mind which is uh, full of desire, the mind which is continuously going outwards, the mind which is not interested, does not see enlightenment, God-realization as any, anything that is worthwhile. The mind basically is, which is, sees not, nothing, no problem really, or sees a problem in samsara, but sees uh, no other way out of it, and there is a desire for samsara. That mind will not uh, be able to realize, will not, get, uh, will not realize the Atman. All right, that's preliminary. Let's go deeper. How again can the mind realize the Atman? The same question we ask. Give us a deeper answer. Well, we say, the second level answer is, all knowledge is in the mind. Think about it. Whatever we know and experience ultimately has to come to the mind. I I see this book with my eyes. True. But all the information comes to the mind and raises a vritti, a movement in the mind. And I have what is called in Sanskrit, book akara vritti, a vritti in the mental modification in the form of the book. And then I see a book. The book might be there. Eyes might be there. But uh, if the mind is not there, no knowledge will come. If you are asleep, if somebody is in coma, somebody is meditating, you can't see anything. Similarly, with the sound, All um, sound, noise, music, speech, it's only when the mind is paying attention that we have experience of that. Whether you taste good food or bitter food, smell a a beautiful fragrance or or a foul smell, all our sensory experiences, all this knowledge we get from protection, that means direct sensory experience with our five senses, entirely depends on the mind. Without mind, none of them will work. 
In fact, if one of them doesn't work, the mind is there, you'll still keep getting other kinds of experience. The eyes, the eyes are blind. All right, then I can't see. But the mind is functioning. You can use the other sense organs. I can still hear, I can smell, I can taste, I can touch. I can use Braille to read books where I'm touching with my fingers. But if the mind is not functioning, nothing else will work. So no knowledge is possible without the mind. In fact, the other kinds of knowledge are entirely mind-dependent. This is sensory knowledge. The other kinds of knowledge like um, uh, inferential knowledge. So that's only with the, using the mind. And that knowledge also comes in the mind. Scriptural knowledge also comes in the mind. Uh, devotional feelings of you know, devotion to God. Aesthetic experience. Appreciation of art. Enjoyment of art. All is in the mind. So knowledge, experience, all is in the mind. Without mind, no experience. Without mind, no knowledge. Now, um, and the mind, of course, is lit up by consciousness. Now, one kind of knowledge is perceptual knowledge. The knowledge of seeing something. How do you do that? You require a form or a color. You require the eyes to be in contact. And then, you know, you require proper lighting and everything. And then you require... Um, the mind to be attentive to it and then you see. So mind plus the eyes gives you the experience of seeing. My, mind plus the ears gives you the experience of knowledge of sound and so on. Mind plus textbooks of physics and the physics professor and all of that gives the knowledge of in the mind of physics. What will give me the knowledge of the Atman? Not the eyes because Atman cannot be seen. Not the ears because Atman cannot be heard not physics or chemistry or Sanskrit, or, none of them are talking about the Atman. It is Vedanta which talks about the Atman. So mind plus Vedantic teachings, more specifically the Vedanta, the Mahavakya, which tells you, you are that. So mind plus Mahavakya gives you knowledge about the Atman. Where will the knowledge come? In the mind only. So when, it's, when it, you say, how does this answer help us? It helps us in this way. The mind does not is not the instrument by which you get knowledge of Atman. The mind cannot give you knowledge of Atman directly. It is the Vedanta is the instrument. Just as eyes are the instrument which gives knowledge in the mind about forms. Ears are the instrument which gives knowledge in the mind about sound. Vedantic statements, Vedantic teaching is the instrument which gives the knowledge of the Atman in the mind. So all knowledge arises in the mind. Where else will knowledge arise? Will it arise in empty uh, space? Will it uh, arise uh, uh, in my nose or my liver? It will arise in the mind. Mind is designed. It's the instrument of knowledge. So all knowledge will arise in the mind. Uh, only the instrument of knowledge, uh, the mind doesn't reason it out and get to Atma. It requires the Vedantic pointing out that thou art. Of course, you must understand what it means. And for that, all these Vedanta texts are there. So all the Vedanta teaching culminates by generating knowledge in the mind that I am Brahman. Second level answer. What's the answer? All knowledge is in the mind and knowledge is generated in the mind by various instruments and Vedanta is the instrument specifically Vedanta Mahavakya Tattvamasi Aham Brahmasmi that generates the knowledge of Atman in the mind. Mind by itself of course cannot directly you know, objectify the Atman. Still, it doesn't answer the question. Yes, it generates knowledge in the mind. Are you saying um, 
that just like I learned physics or chemistry by going and reading a physics textbook and understand about physics. So is that how I understand about that I am Brahman? Is that how it works? Is that enlightenment? Doesn't seem like it. No, that's not what is meant. After all, then what do all those sentences, all those teachings which say it's beyond the mind, it cannot be grasped by the mind. It's not reading a book or listening to a lecture. Then what do they mean? So the third level of explanation, I'll rush through it. Detailed explanation, Vedanta Sada. Just remember these two uh, words, technical words. Vritti Vyapti, Falabhyapti. English is more complicated. Vritti Vyapti means pervasion by the mental modification. Falabhyapti means uh, pervasion by the illumination by reflected consciousness. <laughs> it sounds even more complicated. But very quickly, I'll run through the uh, what is the deepest level explanation of this. Don't forget the question. Vedanta seems to be saying it two contradictory things at the same time. It cannot be realized by the mind. And here it says it's only by the mind that you can get enlightenment, knowledge of the, your real nature. How do you explain them? And what insight does it give us into what is enlightenment? So here is the deeper answer or deepest answer. Um, first of all, we must see how does any kind of knowledge takes pla take place? And how is enlightenment different? Self-knowledge, Brahman knowledge, God realization, how is it different from ordinary knowledge? How does ordinary knowledge take place? To put it briefly, um, you know, you are pure consciousness. And that pure consciousness is reflected or channeled in the mind as reflected consciousness. In Sanskrit, Chidabhasa. Whatever happens in the mind is, is lit up by this reflected consciousness and you get the experience, the first person experience. Consciousness enables you to get experience. Now, what happens in the mind? Whatever is experienced through the senses or internally recalled through the mind comes up as a ripple on the lake of the mind. You know, like you throw a stone into the uh, lake, it sets up ripples. Similarly, you see something outside and that sets up a set of ripples in the mind. That's called vritti, chitta vritti. So I see a book, the Gita, and it sets up a ripple in the mind about the Gita, yeah. seeing a book. And the experience of seeing a book comes to me when the consciousness reflected in the mind illumines that vritti. Let me repeat. Object, senses, vritti in the mind, mental modification about this object. And mental modification being lit up by consciousness reflected in the mind. That process gives us experience of knowledge. That is ordinary knowledge. All ordinary knowledge. Think about it. Whatever we experience in the world, good, bad, and ugly, um, intellectual, gross, um, subtle, auditory, perceptual, you know, visual, whatever kind of experience we have all throughout life, basically these two processes are going on. Is something that happens in the world or in my mind, all of it culminates in setting up a movement in the mind, a change in the mind. And that change in the mind, that movement in the mind is lit up by consciousness. I become aware of it. And that happens very fast. So that movement in the mind set up by any kind of happening is called vritti vyapti, pervasion by mental modification. Vritti vyapti, pervasion by mental modification. And things keep happening in the world and the mental modifications keep changing with those things. You see a book, one kind of mental modification. Take a sip of a cup of coffee, another kind of mental modification. Uh, be happy and smile, another kind of mental modification. Get mad at somebody else, another kind of mental modification. 
internally you remember something another mental modification try to remember and you can't remember tip of the tongue phenomenon another kind of mental modification these keep changing continuously like a stream in all of them consciousness is reflected our consciousness is shining and that consciousness keeps on illuminating all these changing this flashing mental modifications and you get a series of experiences so you need two things for any kind of knowledge mental modification illumination by consciousness pervasion by the vritti pervasion by reflected consciousness these are known as vritti vyapti phalavyapti vritti vyapti pervasion by vritti phalavyapti pervasion by reflected consciousness together experience knowledge now what happens in self knowledge illumination enlightenment is that what you get knowledge of that cannot be illumined by the uh, mind the mind can learn about it through vedanta classes when you learn about it through vedanta classes what happens is a vritti vyapti takes place the mind is beginning to understand uh, take its attention away from the body i am not the body because of various reasons we know you know trishyatva jadatva anityatva so many reasons are there uh, for for these reasons i am not the body and i feel it i see it clearly similarly i am not the mind i see it i, I understand it clearly this is mental modification about the atma what i am not and turning away towards the atma about the true self so the mind cannot directly illumine the true self what happens then is once the vritti vyapti is perfect you get a clarity about who am i your real nature pure consciousness is always blazing forth radiant unlimited radiance that in a moment it becomes clear it's a breakthrough and the only way i can call it it's a breakthrough um the buddhists have a term for it they like you have a bunch of sticks tied together you pull a knot the whole thing falls apart so that's also true you can look at it that way suddenly the like a whole uh, structure collapsing you see through it for the first time the roof has been blown away and there is sunlight streaming through it for the first time you see through it and it is irreversible you cannot go back anymore and it's you may not always be thinking about it after that but it's always available for you this this breakthrough this realization available for you um you know effortlessly all the time and you realize also at that moment every problem of your life has been solved forever now this breakthrough it does not happen because technically in the language we use because of phalavyapti the consciousness reflected in the vritti cannot reveal the atman the atman reveals itself it is always revealing itself but just the necessary vritti vyapti was not there so let me repeat again normal knowledge any kind of knowledge epistemology of vedanta says you need a vritti vyapti and a phalavyapti pervasion by vritti pervasion by reflected consciousness for enlightenment you need a vritti vyapti you must pursue enlightenment you must read these texts think about it try to understand try to get it try to get the breakthrough all of that you must try and the mind is being now tuned towards that but once the vritti vyapti is there the reflected consciousness in the mind cannot illumine the atman it's like the moon trying to illumine the sun it can't the cannot is not necessary the sun is shining forth 
with a million times more light than the moon and the moonlight is also the sunlight who after a moonlight is borrowed from sun so the sun shines forth sun reveals itself atman reveals itself and which is it's always doing just the fact that i was not this ever radiant atman that i was not it that false that false notion is removed forever ignorance is removed forever i know i am the atman so this is illumination this is how the mind plays a role without the mind now we can answer the question directly by the mind alone it is to be realized by the mind it cannot be realized how do you explain by the mind alone it can be realized because vritti vyapti is necessary by the mind alone it can by the mind can it cannot be realized because palabhyapti is not necessary it can't do it, do anything for atman this is the deepest level explanation but more details you go for go to vedanta sar towards the end this question is raised and a detailed explanation is given number 12 angushtamatra purusho madhya atmani tishthati ishanam bhuta bhavyasya natato vijugupsate etadvaitat the being purusha of the size of a thumb resides in the body knowing him as the ruler of the past and the future one does not want by virtue of that knowledge to save the self this is indeed that okay angushta matra purusha this is a phrase often used in vedanta the atman the purusha that that being of consciousness our real nature is of the size of a thumb and it's it resides in the center of the body what does it mean all it means is the consciousness which i am our we are normally aware of it in the mind just look at it right now we say where is um, a table you see right in front of me swami all right where is your hand here swami here's my hand where is your nose here swami where where are your thoughts well i can't show it to you swami but i assure you there are thoughts going on in my mind where is your awareness well that those that awareness is aware of the thoughts and the nose and the hand and the table and you awareness is aware of everything but awareness exactly where is it it's in the mind it's not in the nose it's not in the hand or the table or in the world outside i am aware of awareness in the mind and it is making me aware of everything so awareness exists in the mind step 1 that's how we see it awareness actually is beyond the mind also awareness is the only reality according to advaita vedanta but we we experience it is internally only in the mind and notice right now when you look at your own experience you experience yourself as aware only in the mind nowhere else you don't even experience the awareness of others i say all these people are there there are 72 people here i, I am one aren't the other 71 not aware yes they are aware but it, you are not aware of their awareness you are only aware of their faces and their words and their actions but you are not even aware of their thoughts let alone their awareness the only place we are aware of awareness is in the mind step 1 so it's the mind delimited awareness that we think about when we when we are told about consciousness now next step uh, in vedanta in most indian philosophy actually the idea is the mind is in the heart in the most ancient people thought the mind was in the heart and they may not be wrong right now we think the mind is in the brain but that remains to be proved because why we think the mind is in the brain is 
because uh, all mental events seem to correlate strongly with neuronal activity. It's a science of correlations, true. But the mind is a separate reality and it exists in the heart. And psychologically, at least we always point to ourselves like this. We don't say, where are you? We don't say like this, here. No, we say here, I am here. So we are in the heart, the mind is in the heart, and more specifically, in the physical heart, there is a space in the, in the, inside the physical heart approximately of the size of your thumb, of your thumb. So child's heart will have the space in the heart of the size of the child's thumb, like that. So in the heart, the mind is there. In, in the mind is consciousness. What will be the size of that consciousness? Now, be careful here. Consciousness has no size. Not even, even the mind doesn't have a size. It's the size of the space in the heart. That's why it is said, consciousness, you the awareness, you the consciousness of the size of the thumb resides in the middle of the body. What resides in the middle of the body? Heart. Uh, left here. And I knew a monk whose heart was on the right side. So he has his heart on the right side. Um, so on the left of the body. Um, and in the heart is a space. And in that space is believed, strongly believed, at least in the ancient times, not just Indian philosophy, many ancient thought thinkers believed the self was in the, or mind was in the heart. Um, so in the heart is a space. In that space is mind. In mind, we feel consciousness. So that mind must be of the size of the space in the heart, which is the size of the thumb. Therefore, I, the consciousness, must be the size of the thumb. And that's just a way of locating myself to to. Uh, center myself. Mind doesn't have size, let alone consciousness. And there's no, not the size of a thumb or not the size of anything at all. And consciousness is also not the size of the thumb or size of anything at all. But this is a way of locating it. It is also a direct mystical experience. I remember this wonderful monk I had seen and he chanted this mantra to me. And this, this was in the Himalayas in Gangotri. I still remember the conviction in that old man's face. He says, Angushtamatra Purusha. Uh, the consciousness of the size of the thumb, uh, the, the shining being of the size of the thumb in the heart, space of the heart. Then he said to me, Hey, Swamiji, hey, aap to buddhi ji bhi hai na, vishwas nahi hogi aapko. There is such an experience Oh monk, it is real. But you are all intellectuals. So you won't believe me. You're all skeptics. He says it can be experienced. And he said he had experienced it. Yes. And there's a comment. He told me that. But many people have experienced it. Those who... So it's a kind of meditative experience, mystical experience. But remember, um, it can be vividly experienced here. Sri Ramakrishna says the first direct spiritual experience is in the heart. He says the heart is the place to investigate, um, the, to, um, to focus, concentrate. And then he, Sri Ramakrishna gives a description of, of that first experience. He says, when that breakthrough happens, the seeker becomes amazed, stunned and says, in Bengali he says, Eki, Eki, what is this? What is this? What is that I have stumbled upon? Is this my real nature? So what is this? What is this? Oh yes, Patrick, 
has pointed out something very important. This verse was being explained in our main monastery many, many uh, decades ago when Latu Maharaj, Swami Adbhutanandaji, direct disciple of Sri Ramakrishna and a knower of Brahman, he was uneducated uh, and illiterate. And uh, he became an enlightened person. Somebody said there are two miracles of Sri Ramakrishna. One is Latu Maharaj, the uneducated person who became an enlightened uh, knower of Brahman. And Girish Kosh is another miracle of uh, Sri Ramakrishna. As Latu Maharaj was sitting and a pundit, a scholar, was explaining these, this verse. And um, other monks were sitting all around and listening and studying the Katha Upanishad. And the pundit chanted, Angushtamatra Purusha Madhyatmanitishtat. In the center of your body, in the heart, in the space of the heart, and that, that is the Purusha, the being of consciousness of uh, the size of a thumb. And Latu Maharaj, in delight, he said, that's it, that's it, it's there. And then excitedly, he told Shudhir Maharaj, Shuddhanandaji, who was a disciple of Swami Vivekananda, who's sitting there, the Pandit was right, the Pandit was right. And this old monk, Latu Maharaj, was so delighted, he kept saying that. The class was over, in his delight, he went around uh, saying that it's, the Pandit was right, it's, it's, such a thing is there. Late in the night, <laughs> he caught hold of Shuddhananji and said, the Pandit was right, Shudhir, it, 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 it is there. Uh, the angushta matra purusha, the, the, the being of light who is, a, who is seen in the space of the heart. And this is a, in mystical literature, in Vedanta, in yoga, in bhakti, in, across the world religions. The mystical heart and the first place of experiencing God, and that has been mentioned in many ways, in all kinds of mystical literature. So yes, it's not as strange as it looks, the thumb-sized God. <laughs> So I am this consciousness. So what? Ijanam Bhuta Bhavyasya is the Lord of all time, of the past and the future. Past, present and future. Who is the Lord of all time? God. The God of religion. The creator of the universe. The master of space and time. And he says, that consciousness which you find there. Yes, what about it? That is none other than the consciousness which appears as God. Same consciousness, unity. Same consciousness appears as you, the little being, this person and shines as the thumb-sized consciousness in your heart. The same consciousness in association with Maya, the power, divine power, is the, is the master of the universe, the master of time, past and present. What happens when you realize that? I am that one consciousness. Uh, you relax. For the first time, you let go of a huge breath of relaxation. Uh, a lifetime's burden many lifetimes burden is taken off your shoulders and you find peace for the first time. You've been chased by the hound of death, lifetime to lifetime. And that, that hound, the, <laughs> the hunt is called off. You are free. You're free to go. So you relax. No longer seeks to protect himself. There is no anxiety. There is no insecurity anymore. Janaka's guru said, the moment Janaka became enlightened, the guru didn't say, you've realized Brahman, you're enlightened, you're Jeevan Mukta or whatever. He said, you have achieved fearlessness, O king. Abhayam vai prapto si Janaka. You have attained to fearlessness. You relax, you let off a big sigh of relaxation. It's done. And the Upanishads and all this sing your glory. You are the one, Kritakritya, who has done what has to be done in life. 
you have learned what has to be you have known what has to be known in life praptavya praptataya you have attained you have got what has to be got in life it's done for the first time somebody said that sounds kind of boring what do you do after that well after that you actually start living you call this life being chased by the hound of death lifetime after lifetime and being smashed into the sharp edges of life how much suffering how many miserable lifetimes you got this is what all this was meant to be the culmination of life lifetime after lifetime the culmination of the game of life after a big rainstorm there is rainbow so one bengali song says the game of life the festival of life comes to an end there are there is a there is a festival of rainbows in the sky so the storms are over the festival of rainbows in the sky the buddhist zen monk puts it in his own way no question of self or atman there he puts it in this way um it's a japanese haiku it says the rains are over the last storm clouds have disappeared at last we sit together the old mountain and i till only the mountain remains <laughs> so this ghost of ego the limited self you know we sit together the mountain and i the absolute reality and i until that ghost disappears only the mountain remains that is freedom no i am gone no you are not gone you are the absolute now you are infinite now you always were this little chimera of uh, of a ghost it appeared before you ishanam bhuta bhagyasya naratu vijugupsate what's all this etadvaitat onachiketa this is what you had asked for long long time ago the third boon you had asked for what is the reality of death the reality of death is i will chase you lifetime after lifetime this lifetime i am going to kill you and the next lifetime too lifetime after lifetime i will chase you make you suffer break you again and again and again until you come to this and you realize and you're set free forever you become the infinite you are the infinite this is the answer to the question you had asked the mystery of death okay let me just see the comments here ramya asks you were mentioning three tests swami swami ji had oneness unselfishness uh, and strength tests of truth that which makes for oneness is truth that which makes uh, which divides is uh, false these are not absolute but is a good ways of judge what is true and what is true spirituality also and selflessness that which makes us selfish is likely to be false that which makes us selfless is likely to be true that is spiritual that which gives us strength is likely to be true that which is, makes us weak swami ji says reject it as poison strength is a test of truth is a test of true spirituality alpana says waves in the ocean ah that's a good kind brahman as a snake in the upanishads they don't use snake and rightly pottery and clay um, uh, gold uh, ornaments and gold in the original texts they talk about ocean and wave or, or clay and pot golden ornament but notice one thing you to be careful about using the examples in advaita vedanta always careful 
what is meant when it says pottery and clay or uh, waves and ocean all that is meant is in the pots which appeared so different from each other and different from the original mass of clay there is nothing but the same clay if you touch the pot you're touching clay if you wait you're waiting the clay not literally there'll be water and other stuff but anyway the uh, the idea is it is brahman and brahman alone though it appears to be so diverse as this world it is uh, that eternal spiritual reality though it appears to be a samsara um the buddhist says tibetan buddhist samsara and nirvana they appear in the limitless space of awareness so from samsara we struggle and we get we have we have been scared enough by the lord of death because he is going to chase us from lifetime to lifetime and hunt us down and kill us and that's not an exaggeration that's the only truth we can be certain of even you can doubt vedanta religion god whatever you can doubt of but you can't doubt what yama says nobody doubts that we will be chased and hunted and killed not once lifetime after lifetime from there we struggle to freedom nirvana and then from that freedom we look oh it was always all right both samsara and nirvana are appearances in one underlying reality which was always all right which we are so if it's always all right then i don't have to go to moksha or nirvana i can stay in samsara well then if you don't go there you won't realize this and you will still feel that you are a person being hunted down by this terrible lord of death then jennifer says when we know something through the mind there is always subject object relationship correct but we have been saying that pure consciousness is pure subject cannot be an object of mental experience can we understand that in this verse the upanishad is talking about intellectual understanding by the mind not final enlightenment no 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 final enlightenment when i said um vritti vyapti not phala vyapti it's final enlightenment the intellectual understanding which we get through the upanishads you make it as good as it gets the next jump yeah. will come intuitively from within it will be revealed don't worry about that that will come that clarity will come take care of the vritti the the tuning of the mind to the truth and the enlightenment will will come by itself you're right reading the book and all the arguments and all the pointings that will not make you enlightened by your by itself you can't argue your way to god 